0: Hey, what's up, you fantasy freaks? On today's episode, we'll be discussing some of our favorite year two players ready to break out entering their sophomore seasons. And of course, the reason you're all here, we're going to tackle our top 12 wide receiver rankings for your education and enjoyment. So as always, we appreciate the support and we hope you enjoy the episode.
1: Welcome to the fantasy blackboard, your home for all of your fantasy football rankings tips, and discussion. Class is in session. Here are your hosts, Jonathan and Zach. Okay guys, welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Football Blackboard. I am Zach Helbling. I am Jonathan Cafardi, And we are Fantasy Football Blackboard. Um, let's dive right into some breaking news we have around the NFL because there are some pretty big stories happening. Uh, first off, we have after a pretty tumultuous offseason, Josh Jacobs signing a one-year deal
0: with the Las Vegas Raiders. Yes, and uh, I believe a little bit more money than what Saquon uh, negotiated for his deal. Yep, so he got the edge there. Yep, he <laughs> <I laughs> wins. They win. uh, at the end of the day, they're both still on one-year deals. So. Um. You know, For dynasty purposes, we don't really know what that means moving forward. But for this year, in redraft, right before prime redraft season, we know where they're going to be at least, and they're going to be on the field. Uh, which, we don't really know what that means for Jonathan Taylor. That might be a different situation. We don't know what's going on with him, but, uh, oh, right. but at least two of the three big dogs, we know they're going to be um, on their respective teams, and they're going to be ready week one.
1: Other big trade, Trey Lance traded to the Cowboys for
0: a fourth-round pick. Yeah. A fourth-rounder uh, from San Francisco, um, they decided that Brock Purdy and Sam Donald were better. And Trey Lance got a little upset, and he requested a trade. And um, <laughs> Rightfully so. Uh, quite frankly, I mean, a fourth-round value for a guy that's been demoted the way that he has. I mean, I thought that was pretty good value for San Francisco. There's no cleaning up the mess that they made. Right. I mean, this is always going to reflect poorly on Shanahan and everybody. You know, the decision, all the assets they gave up, the picks, the way Miami benefited from it. There's no, no really, explaining really think, that away, but...
1: Right. I yeah. think I think both teams kind of got what they wanted. You get a pretty low-risk guy in Trey Lance for Dallas, and then, you know, if San Fran really
0: didn't want any part of him, you got rid of him, you get yourself a fourth-round pick. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it's just kind of new beginnings, new change of scenery for for Trey Lance. Obviously, Dak Prescott there right now, and it's his job. I mean, I don't think there's any current risk of him losing it, but he did... He was super turnover prone last year. If he continues and it's tumultuous this season for them, you never know. And he has a little bit of an injury history. So, yep. Yep. Um, yeah, super curious to see. I have a little bit of uh, Trey Lance dynasty stock. Okay. Um, so I initially had him pegged as a guy that in the right situation would be that cool, you know, very uh, mobile happy. But he had the big arm, unproven, but a lot of talent. I was hoping that would turn into something for me. But, you know, maybe it will down the – do you have any – Uh, stock in him in any leagues no no i do not so i'm the only one i'm alone (laughs) on the hill but that's fine it's all good i wasn't counting on him anyway so well speaking of players that
1: are poised to break out um or hopefully we are going to cover a couple sophomore standouts we each pick two players going into their second nfl season that we think are primed to break out this year Yes. Uh, do you want me to start, or would you like to give go us first? Give us your first one. We'll 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 go back and forth here. So so give me one.
0: Cool. All right. So my first guy is going to be uh, Rashad White. Okay. Um, in Tampa Bay. Um, he's pretty much all alone in that backfield. Um, there's not a lot of competition. Um, nothing of no, you know, nothing notable at least. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are concerned about what it looks like with Baker Mayfield. I get it. I mean, it's it's not pretty. Um. Russell Gage just went down for the season for them as well, so now the receiving depth is a little bit more limited, but um, last season as a rookie, Rashad White he had 50 receptions on 58 targets, he was extremely efficient, Mm -hmm. sharing time with Ezekiel Elliott Um, and now he's not being asked really to share time Uh, he's going to get the lion's share of the work he's going to get a lot of volume a lot of it might be you know, in garbage time and whatnot, but that's okay it counts the same in fantasy, and I think that plays into the formula with him, so after taking over in Week Ten last year, um, when Zeke or not Zeke, excuse me, uh, when Lenny Fournette um, wasn't the prominent guy anymore, he posted 771 total yards from scrimmage, uh, scrimmage, nearly 300 of which came through the air, passing, and he had uh, four, uh, three touchdowns as well in that span. Um, I just think he's going to be a continuation of of kind of what that that final stretch was last season. He's he's currently consensus rank in PPR leagues, RB 23, so. I think you're purely drafting him at his floor there. I think he has potential to be a sneaky kind of top 15 PPR type running back this year if everything goes right and yeah. he's a good skill set. He was a pretty good prospect coming out of out of college, de- uh, decent draft capital. <clears throat> so, um he's a big he's a guy I've had my eyes on all along. He's going later in drafts around the 6th or 7th round depending. So, um I, I love the value. He's a great zero zero RB approach guy. If you're not going early with running backs, you want to get some value in those middle rounds. Yeah. Um, so he's he's awesome. I'm a, I'm a big fan, and yeah, I don't know. I I just don't know who takes that job from him. Yeah. There's yeah, no one ex- there. It's not going to be Chase Edmonds. We've we've done that. You know that song and dance before. Yeah. So. So yeah,
1: I mean, with Rashad White, the only thing that really kind of concerns me about his last season's production is you mentioned the three touchdowns. That was it for the season. Right. Two two of those were receiving. Only had one rushing touchdown all year. Whether that was a byproduct of just the Buccaneers' offense,
0: or you know him as a player, we'll find out. Yeah, I mean, I, there are valid questions to be asked about him regarding him, you know, running between the tackles, efficiency, and so on and so forth. Quite frankly, I mean, I think that that offense stunk. So comparatively speaking, we're we're thinking of them taking a huge step back now with Baker Mayfield. I'm not entirely sure that actually happens. Um, I think it might be pretty much on par with what they already were. They still have a healthy Chris Godwin and a healthy Mike Evans. So they have some weapons. It's not like they're completely void of talent. Um, I think there's enough balance there. It's not like he's going to be facing eight-man boxes all the time or anything like that. They're going to utilize them. They have no other choice. So. Uh, Slam dunk, if you get him late 6th, early mid 7th, I think it's a great pick. Oh, the value there is great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, My first sophomore standout is going to be somebody we've talked about on this podcast uh, in previous episodes. It's Damian Pierce, running back with the Houston Texans. Uh, I have him as a potential breakout based on how I think he's going to be used this year with the changing to their offense also. So if we look at last year, average 19.2 combined touches per game. I think that probably stays around the same. I think there's a little less pressure on him to perform. His ECR right now is 51. He's currently going as the 19th running back off the board. You do have a little competition with Devin Singletary in the offense. However, Devin Singletary isn't a proven pass catcher at all, so I don't worry about Pierce losing receptions to him. He's going to lose snap percentage a little. His snap percentage is going to go down a little bit with with Singletary being the better pass blocker. Yeah. And uh, other things that are pointing it up for Damian Pierce towards me is they got the seventh easiest strength of schedule and uh, one of the easiest for running backs as well so i like that potential there sure if you're looking at projections throughout the season last year he was basically 50-50 exceeding projections each fantasy week so especially in the sec- or the first half of the year before he had some injury uh, problems there so i like damian pierce as a potential breakout you're getting him later in and drafts along the same lines as we just talked about. With-
0: yeah, uh, with Rashad White, with Rashad- I think you're going to have to pay up a little more uh, with Damian. You're looking at fifth or sixth round um, oftentimes. But again, I, I don't really think you're drafting him at his ceiling. You're going to hear me say that a lot. I don't like drafting guys unless it's a first or second round pick. Of course, it's a little bit different. But um, as you get deeper into drafts, I don't want to draft guys at their absolute optimal output projection in other words i want to draft guys closer to where i feel like that's their floor and they have potential for more output. right um i don't think you're drafting him at his ceiling so i'm okay mm. with the adp
1: yep.
0: um i think he kind of is built for a potential like pseudo feature role maybe he's not the the workhorse that naji or henry or those boys will be but um you know he he he's an aggressive runner he runs hard I'm and uh, he's and he's the guy there that
1: like 65-35 split. Yeah,
0: turns. I think that's super valid, and I think that the offense probably takes some kind of step forward, you know? I mean, we're hoping, you know, like, consistent quarterback play out of C.J. Stroud, what we've seen in the preseason hasn't been great. His second appearance was better than yeah. the first, for sure. Um, they like him. He's a he's a good natural thrower of the ball. I mean, he's a legitimate pure passer. So, I mean, you know, they're building things around him. There's They're not there yet, but I, I do think that Pierce's uh role is solidified. He th- he's not really in jeopardy of losing at the singletary, like you said. So um he's a nice he's a nice kind of like mid to low end RB two that can give you a little bit more. So yeah, no, I, I agree with that pick. All right, let's hear your second sophomore yes, breakout. My second. Um so this is one of my favorite players. So th- I missed massively <laughs> on his rookie season. It didn't quite pan out the way I thought it would, but Sky Moore. Yep. Um in Kansas City. I think he's a screaming value in drafts right now. Currently going as the consensus wide receiver 50 in full PPR leagues, which I just think is outrageous because if you're following what they're doing with him in training camp, he's pretty clearly going to be a starting slaughter flanker type wide receiver. Reminds me of a, like a young golden Tate kind of what his route tree is, what his skill set looks like. Um, So last year, I mean, they eased him into what they were doing in the offense. It's, Commonly talked about how Andy Reid's offense is kind of hard to grasp for those first year players. Yeah, it was the same for him. They had him on punt returns. What he had a little bit of ball security issues, wasn't all good. Um, and and some people, I think at face value, might be looking at him as a bust as a first year. You know, with the first year output that he had. But I think when you look deeper at it, um, they played him all over the field. They used him as the X. They used him um, in the slot. They used them outside. Um, kind of at that flanker position as well. I think he played outside of uh, like 52% of snaps and 40% from the slot. I personally think he profiles more as a true slot or a flanker, uh, more of like the short to intermediate route runner type, very good agility, good footwork off the line. He was surprisingly good um, against press man last year. He had a 73.1% success rate against press, which was 70th percentile. So for a kid, you know, learning a new playbook and, you know, that's a somewhat limited sample size because he didn't have a ton of route participation, but um, I think that was actually a really eye-opening stat in a positive way for him. And then you just include just the work he's been getting in training camp. He clearly looks like he might be inheriting that Juju Smith-Schuster rule, which was really mm-hmm. effective for them. I would not be shocked to see him get, you know, the second most targets in that offense behind Kelsey, of course, but yeah. um, that's kind of a hodgepodge wide receiver room right now. There's still, I mean, there's there's a lot of moving pieces MVS isn't going to hurt a guy's volume. Rasheed Rice, I, I don't like the the, you know, possibility of him really breaking out because we just talked about it's hard to pick up that offense. I think Rasheed Rice, as a rookie, they'll ease him in a little bit, similarly to how they did with Moore in his rookie year. But I don't see him really challenging to be like a, a high route participation guy either. So you're looking at Sky Moore really. Um, they like him and I just I just think he's they definitely like him and I think they also have a good confidence in him if you think back to the Super Bowl. Sure, yeah. You know,
1: him catching that touchdown pass late in the game, basically to secure the victory there. So yeah. It shows that Patrick Mahomes trusts Sky more and it's a you know good momentum piece
0: to end the season going into this year. And and I just think just lastly too, um Kadarius Tony is what scares people away. Mm-hmm. He's already hurt again. <laughs> he's never really he's he's at no point in his career. Um, to this date proven that he can be on the field for 17 games and have a high participation in what they did. He was a he was a Swiss Army knife last season in Kansas City once he went over there. Yeah. And I get it, he's unbelievable in space. He's a dynamic athlete, but I just we're talking about solidifying roles on an offense. And I I just don't see Kadarius Toney as being a guy that you can trust more than, you know, someone who's at least proven they can stay healthy and they're having a great camp and they're healthy right now. Kadarius Toney's not healthy right now. First day of camp he got hurt again. So eventually, you got to kind of look at what's sitting directly in front of you with certain players. Kadarius Tony is extremely volatile. So if you're asking me to choose one over the other, I'm taking Sky Moore all day, every day, twice on Sundays.
1: Yep. <laughs> all right. Uh, my second sophomore breakout player is going to be Christian Watson. I really think Christian Watson's rookie year could have been his breakout season if he would have kind of started sooner. You didn't really have much of anything production wise until week ten, right? So from week ten on, you have seven touchdowns. The bulk of his yards—I mean, he was single-digit in yards for multiple weeks. So six hundred eleven yards in seven weeks, seven touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I really think that Jordan Love—we've seen it through the preseason—kind of for sure trust Christian Watson. You see him throw a couple up 50 balls to him. Trusting the athlete and Christian Watson to make those catches. Uh, he's going as. The, let's see, 26 wide receiver off the board in full PPR. His consensus rankings 44 overall, so you're getting him fifth round, maybe sixth round. He's going as a wide receiver too, but he definitely has that wide receiver one upside. As far as strength of schedule goes, the Packers are 14th, so you're basically right down the middle. Nothing really to scare you there. However, we do have a pretty young offense. You know, top two receivers, you got Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. Romeo Dobbs showed pretty well in the preseason this year, had a decent year last year, missed a chunk just like Watson did. So basically, when Romeo Dobbs went out in week 10, that's when Christian Watson really started to come on. You had them both playing from week 15, 16, and 17. Yeah. So it's interesting to see how they both operate together for the entire season. Besides those two, there's not really much to speak of in the wide receiver room.
0: Yeah. No, well I I I would probably say Jaden Reed, though, is another guy we need to look at um as a rookie receiver this year for them. Um I, I don't really know what the, the total uh route participation is gonna look like. But he is a guy that profiles as someone who can maybe play in the slot um and they like him. So uh they reached a little bit earlier, I think, than some teams uh expected. He's definitely gonna be in the mix. And I think it really always comes down to, you know, you have a new quarterback in town, so What's that going to look like? You know right. what I mean. Jordan Love to me looks like there's there's a potential ceiling there with him, and of course you never know. Preseason is what it is. It's it's a dress rehearsal, and you, you know defenses aren't really showing everything that they're going to be doing. But you have to take something from it. Jordan Love has a good enough arm to make all the throws on the field, and Christian Watson's just kind of that unique size and speed combination. That's just he's he's explosive, and you, exactly. you spoke about that. that of four game stretch, yeah. I mean you
1: mentioned um, you know him profiling as someone in the slot he was actually fourth in the league last year as a rookie in yards after catch so pretty promising yeah you can get him the ball to you know on those short slants and really just let him take over from there has the abilities through the roof I yeah. mean if he's going to be tough in space so that wraps yeah. up for our sophomore standouts we ended on two wide receivers because we are going to continue our list of our top twenty-four wide receivers, we are going from twelve to one today. Yes, we are. So starting at twelve, this might be one of the few times John and I agree on a player. We both <laughs> have Chris Olave.
0: Yeah, Chris Olave. You want me to start with my little synopsis of what Olave is going to bring this year? Okay, yeah, go ahead. So Olave's actually, I think he was kind of touted as a elite deep threat coming out of college, which is accurate. Uh, but I don't think it fully encompasses what he has become, not even become, but he really what he's translated from college, and he's brought it right to the pros and continued being a really full-scale route runner, someone who has a really complete route tree and is also great at the short and intermediate um, route concepts as well. Um, he made it look easy his first year in the pros, despite subpar quarterback play. They had the Andy Dalton experience out mm-hmm. there, but his his route tree was extensive, and he's... Uh, an extremely refined technician um, in terms of being a route runner. Already, um, he looks like a young Stephon Diggs. If if you ask me, I think comparatively, you know, Diggs was considered to be more of a big play, big chunk guy, deep threat in Minnesota. Um, as soon as he went to an offense that enabled it in Buffalo with Josh Allen, he really displayed his full route tree and his. I mean, his route tree is literally green across the board. He's he's above the line at everything, zone and press. I think with Chris Olave, you're looking at something really, really similar, and you have Derek Carr, who, I mean, polarizing as he may be, and maybe he didn't eventually um, come into what we thought he was going to be when first drafted into the league. But he is an improvement over Andy Dalton, oh. I think. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah, and and I think that you know he, when he lets it loose, he has the ability to throw the deep ball. Um, I think Dal- you know, uh, excuse me, I think that Carr is notorious for having that clock in his head, and he can get a little bit antsy. He's really good at making quick short to intermediate throws. Um, but when it's come to his deep ball, it's not lack of ability or arm strength. It's just been kind of commitment um, right. to making those throws, trusting them. I think this year with a, what looks like a pretty good personnel group outside of Olave even, it's going to open up opportunity. And I think Olave is primed to have a big, big year. I think he's a wide receiver one. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I have a lot of similar things that you had with Chris Olave. I like that
1: there's a better quarterback play with Carr. I think that their skill sets kind of match up like you were just touching on. Mm-hmm was a 1,000-yard receiver as a rookie but only had four touchdowns. It's only one of three receivers to do that. So I think that you are going to have an increase in touchdowns this year with increased quarterback or improved
0: quarterback play. Oh, 100%. No, I, I think it's it's being understated the impact Derek Carr has on that team. Right. It's not the sexiest thing in the world, but it was the best thing the Saints could do uh, in the moment, bringing somebody in. I think he's it's going to make a world's difference for that team. Right.
1: So I mean if if the stars align here that's why I have Chris Olave at 12. I think that he is just a fringe wide receiver one if everything just lines up and goes as we're hoping it does.
0: 100%. Yeah. Okay. No, I agree.
1: At 11. See, I have Garrett
0: Wilson. You have Jalen Waddle. I do. You want to tell me your thoughts on Garrett Wilson? I think you have you've have Waddle a little bit higher. We'll, we'll dive into that here yeah, in a minute. Yep. Yeah, with Garrett
1: Wilson you get an upgrade in quarterback play. Last year was kind of a nightmare, but you still got a thousand yards. Also, one of those receivers to have a thousand yards and only four touchdowns. So, right, right, yeah. Expecting positive touchdown regression out of Garrett Wilson. Sure. I think Garrett Wilson paired up with Aaron Rodgers and the way their offense has kind of looked so far, I think that you have a top five receiver potential there. However, that's if Aaron yeah. Rodgers doesn't start to slide a little bit, how this whole basically new offense works out so that's why i have him at 11 there's potential for a lot higher but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of unknowns there for me
0: there are unknowns um for me aaron Rodgers at his worst is better than anything we saw (laughs) last year in new york it was just a miserable mess um zach wilson experiment failing joe flacco being your saving grace the only thing that gives you a chance through the air um at that point in his career isn't exactly the best situation to find any young receiver in. And yeah, like you said, he still managed to eclipse a thousand yards. The touchdown numbers weren't there, but I expect uh, more of that to show up with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is notorious for hyper targeting the guys he believes in the most. Right. Um, we saw did it with
1: Devontae Adams for years. For years.
0: Exactly. Um, and there's already plenty of signs showing that Garrett Wilson is that guy for him already in Jets' camp. Um, I can't wait for Garrett Wilson. I think he is going to be outstanding um and like i said even if aaron Rodgers has fallen off a bit it's still aaron Rodgers, and it's it's significantly better than anything else you know else that they had last season so um, i'm really high on garrett wilson um another guy who's just an outstanding route runner destroys press man um he's already an elite route runner he just glides he's it's he's like a it's like poetic (laughs) watching him run around out there skill
1: sets there he's i mean in a couple years maybe even this year i i have you know Sure. You can see him being up there with Jefferson and Chase. And it could happen. It's not
0: and, outside the range of outcomes. Right. I think you know he could crack that top five. At number 10, we both, again,
1: have the same player. We both have CD Lamb at 10.
0: Yeah. So I, fa- I, what is his consensus rank? Could we look that up real quick? I'm curious. We can look that up,
1: yeah. I'm curious um, what
0: the rest of... Um, last season, he did finish as the wide receiver five. Right. So I feel like we both have him slightly faded compared, yes. like compared to the rest of whatever the consensus, you know, aggregated rankings are. He's a great wide receiver. I think my concern more so is just the direction that offense is choosing to go into. It seems like they want to be a little bit more balanced. Kellen Moore leaving to go to the Chargers, um, favoring more of a run heavy approach. You know, I, I, you know, they bring in Brandon Cooks. It's just kind of one of those things where I, I. I'm concerned about the direction a little bit. That's why I haven't faded him. He's not wide receiver 20, but he's just a guy that I think is a great, a great weapon for that offense. But I don't know what the utilization is going to look like. Exactly. You know, they bring in Brandon cooks. Like I said, you have a healthier Michael Gallup. They draft the (laughs) schoon (laughs) man at tight end. And uh, clearly, you know, they they bring back Tony Pollard is going to be, it's still going to be a pass enough friendly offense that CD lamb can eat. But
1: um, yeah, I I'm mean, just
0: I have him faded a little bit just just for the simple fact that it seems like their philosophy on offense is possibly going to shift backwards a little bit when it comes to, you know when it pertains to the the sure, passing game.
1: Sure, I still like out of C.D. Lamb. His three three years in the league, he's received over triple digits in targets every year, and last year he eclipsed that 100 receptions mark while posting a high almost 1,400 yards, highest in touchdowns. Uh, with the career so far with nine, I like you said have the fear that with the offense kind of going more towards the run, focusing on that more, that some of those numbers might dip down to what we saw maybe two years
0: ago with six touchdowns. Yeah, and yeah, and yards. and it's 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 also just the division of labor. Them them have, like I said, adding cooks to stretch the field, but having Michael Gallup, right. you know, what does that look like? Dak Prescott was a turnover machine last year as well, so it's kind of. That doesn't directly impact the C.D. Lamb volume, but at the same time, there's just some things that make it feel a little bit hairy for me. Yeah,
1: yeah. he's going as the sixth receiver, so you're looking somewhere like late first, early second round. Yeah, yeah. it's just too rich for me right now. Right. I don't exactly. feel good
0: about it comparatively when you're looking at some of the other guys available there. I, yeah, I don't get that, but maybe
1: that's just us. We agree, so yeah, yeah. that's just us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right,
1: at number nine, you have Garrett Wilson. I have Devontae Adams. Uh, yes, you're higher on Adams. We're going to wait on that. You're going to talk about that. And we did talk about Garrett Wilson a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. Again, with Garrett Wilson, I think I love the upside there with Devante. Um, I am curious why you're fading him beyond a couple of these guys here. Um, I'm fading Devontae Adams based on quarterback play a little bit. Okay. I know he
1: there is a chance that he's kind of quarterback proof. I'm going to call it right. Um, If you look at week 17 last year with him a quarterback. He still had seven for one fifty-three and two touchdowns. So right. He does prove that regardless of who quarterback, he can still make it happen. However, with Jimmy G this year for the whole season, I just I'm not sure what that what that looks like with such a small sample size outside of you know Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr. Sure. Uh, um, I think age too age plays exactly. into things, and I get that. Because, I mean, this is his age 30 season. Sure. He has not shown signs of slowing down, so let's... let's you know, Not put at all. Because this is his fourth season out of the past
0: five years that he's eclipsed 1,300 yards and 100 receptions and 11 touchdowns. He was outstanding. He, he was the wide receiver three this past season. In 2021, he was the wide receiver two. And in 2020, he was the wide receiver one.
1: He also led the league in target share last year with a 32.3%.
0: Yeah, I mean, so they, they bring in Jacoby Myers this season... I don't really but they lose Darren Waller I'm not really sure what impact people are <laughs> interpreting there, you know, right. negatively for Devonte Adams. The only thing I can think is that they're concerned about the age and they're concerned about the Jimmy G effect if that limits him.
1: Right. and when you say they, I'm assuming you mean me because that was why
0: I was fading him a little bit. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah. no, I'm still I'm still all over him. His route tree is outstanding. Um, he was 94th percentile against man. 88th percentile against zone, 96th against press man. Yeah. Um and he was still his kinda, separation is unreal. He's he's just he's a he's a real technician. Between him and Steph Diggs, I mean, pick your poison. You 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 can't cover either of those guys. He lined up outside at 76.6% of snaps and on the line at 74.2% of the snaps, which was slightly more last season in his first year with the Raiders than what he had done in 2021 with the Packers. But it still wasn't like a a landscape changing, you know, meaningful difference. He was still the primary X, but Josh McDaniels did a decent job. They moved them around the formations enough to create mismatches. So um, I might not be the biggest Josh McDaniels fan when it comes to him as a head coach. Um, Generally speaking, though, I mean, I trust him enough to know how to use one of the best receivers in NFL history the right way and create matchups. So I still think that Devontae Adams can eat a lot. With yep. Jimmy G, it'll just be a little bit more of the intermediate passing game, and uh, maybe it's a little bit more based off volume than touchdowns, but I have him at six still. So right. you're at nine. Not a huge, drastic difference. We both have him as a wide receiver one, but we I think we have slightly different opinions about him. So, sure.
1: Yeah. And I, I, it's, it's not him as a player, really. It's having me drop him a little bit like we talked about. It's more so just what
0: does a full season with a lesser quarterback. Yeah. At least in my mind. I guess my argument is he's just so good that yeah. he's <laughs> right. pretty much quarterback proof. Right. And he's going to get a ton of volume and targets. So um, I think he's a screen. I actually got him in the that same draft there we were talking about. Hey. Putting um, your money where your mouth s- is. Stacked him with Cooper Cup. So I uh, couldn't nice. be happier. <laughs> no, that's great.
1: Moving up to eight. Kind of battle of the Browns here is you have A.J. Yeah. Brown and I have a, I'm on Ross St. Brown. Yeah. Um, I'll start with Amonara St. Brown, why I haven't been seven. 1,100 yards, six touchdowns last year. The Lions are going into the season with the most favorable strength of schedule for wide receivers. And if that just doesn't, I mean, give you more security in drafting Amon Ross St. Brown where he's going, then I don't know what does. Especially with Jamison Williams being suspended, those first six weeks of the season, the schedule is the easiest for wide receivers. So
0: expect... I'm going to St. to really flourish, especially yeah. at the beginning of the Barring season. Barring injury, I think he's a slam dunk um, the first half of the year. Because even when Jamison Williams comes back, there's going to be a process yet again of trying to work him back up to speed, similarly to what happened last year coming off the injury. That's a conversation for another day. I think the Jamison Williams experiment is bordering um, disaster territory for Detroit. I, just, I'm, I wasn't as big on him as some people were coming out of school, and you just have one thing after another stacked upon it's you know you got the injuries then you have the suspension then you have the coach saying weird things about how he'll never have great hands then he gets in a fight in training camp and he's reportedly getting frustrated and he's just not refined enough as a route runner so all this stuff stacked against him. i just feel like it all sets up st brown yeah um and it's like the perfect qb wide receiver marriage in terms of like skill set you know, Jared Goff being not so much a deep ball guy. but That also works against Williams. But Jared Goff being more the intermediate, quicker read guy. Amon Ross St. Brown being that more intermediate route runner, not so much a vertical guy. So it's just like the perfect marriage. I mean, I think it's just such a safe pick. Will he have a little bit additional upside this year? Will he add more of a vertical game? I know that's something he's talked about. But until we see it, I don't think we can fully profile it. But I think he's just an awesome kind of mid to low range wide receiver one. Um, in any PPR format,
1: yeah, definitely. Talk about AJ Brown a little bit. Uh, I have him two spots higher than you.
0: You have yeah. him at eight. I have so, him at eight. Yeah, AJ Brown's interesting. So th- I think the only reason I really have him faded is because of just the overall lack of pass volume in Philadelphia um, and the fact that there's another great wide receiver in that room. Sure, Devonte Adams is, or excuse me, Devonte Smith is really coming into his own. And I think he's proven a lot of the naysayers wrong. People who were concerned about his frame and being very lanky and having a slight frame, you know, not being a very, you know, six foot, a buck, 70, 75 in that range, but he's very long, but there are questions about his durability, but he's just quickly emerged into like an outstanding route runner. Um, so they have to kind of split reps and um, in a, in a low pass volume offense, I think you just have to consider that a little bit when you're, cause you're splitting hairs at a certain point you have, a bunch of great players you have to plant your flag on a hill somewhere and for me the only reason i have a.j brown faded outside of the top five even is just purely because of the the lack of pass pass volume and you're basically you're you're preying on hyper efficiency for him to truly be a top five wide receiver right um he's an outstanding route runner possibly top five in the league um they moved them all over the field last year that's including the slot at twenty nine percent of the time, which was the most in his career. More so than anything he'd ever did in Tennessee, he's always been an elite man beater. Uh, but he also just had his best success against zone last year at eighty one point nine percent success rate. He doesn't play true X. That's kind of the Devonte Smith role. He's used as a just that matchup nightmare more of like a, a flanker, sneaky slot. They can put him at X if they need to, but they can literally just put him all over the field. Oh, yeah, and his his skill set complements everything. So right. and that he's shows, a great player. It's just purely volume for me. It's the only reason I have him down a little bit. Right. That shows in his uh,
1: being second in the league in yards per route run. He's only behind Tyreek Hill in that category there. Yeah. Uh, he was also eighth in points per game for wide receivers and had a 29% target share. So mm-hmm. great numbers. He had a monster season last year. Yeah, five yards off, fifteen hundred for the year, eleven touchdowns that ties his career high. However, I do agree with you there that Devonte Smith kind of coming into his own really does kind of take away some of those just high numbers. It's, I mean, he it's saw a true 100... two-headed monster, and right.
0: I, I think that's what people have to respect. Right? They're both going to get theirs. So exactly. They're last year he saw one hundred and forty-five targets.
1: I'm projecting this year somewhere closer to what we saw in earlier in his career, somewhere around a hundred.
0: For Devontae Smith? For A.J. Brown. Oh, for A.J. Brown. Excuse me. Yeah, I mean, it's truly just dependent on the Jalen Hurts progression. I mean, he took a massive step last year as a thrower. So, you know, did they come out and run, you know, an identical offense to what they did last season? Is it all very comparable? Or does he take another step forward throwing the football? I don't know. I tend to think, and it's kind of a different conversation, but like all these mobile quarterbacks, I think we're seeing that their lifespan in the league is so much shorter because of their proneness Mm -hmm. to running around and getting hurt. And even last season, Jalen Hurts got banged up towards the end of the year. Justin Fields was looking, he was looking a little rough towards the end of the year physically, you know, Lamar Jackson Mm -hmm. got hurt again. I just feel like Jalen Hurts has always been a little bit more of a hybrid skill set. Like I trust the fact that he really stepped into his throwing, no pun intended, and you know what nice. I mean? And yeah, it's just I, maybe he takes another step. I don't think that's outside the possibilities. You know what I mean? I think yeah. he could do that. But, you know, as of right now, I'm really comfortable with uh, AJ at eight.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. Seven, you have on Ross St.
1: Brown, who we just touched on a little bit, and I have Jalen Waddle. Yeah. Why don't you Jaylen... t- tell me
0: about Waddle a little bit?
1: Yeah, we'll cover Waddle because I have him at seven. You. Oh. Where do you have I have him at
0: 11, I believe. Oh,
1: wow. Yep. Yeah. Literally, I have it highlighted. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Yeah. So, a little higher on Jalen Waddle, and that is because I love a wide receiver two. Not now, not a fantasy wide receiver two, a team's wide receiver two that is able to still produce like he did with a, I mean, just absolute elite receiver alongside of him with that number one, and that being Tyreek Hill. Of course, yeah. So Super stud. Last year, first year with the two, exactly. Last year, <laughs> with the two of them together, Waddle still put up 1,300-plus yards. Uh, he's just, I mean, same as Tyreek Hill. The big play capability is just insane with him. Unbelievable. They're so fast. Jaylen just that was, alone.
0: Right. They're so fast. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah.
1: Jalen Waddle going into his third season, I like that even with Tyreek Hill, we still saw triple-digit targets. Now, we had a little bit of regression as far as reception goes. He had a 100-plus his rookie year. We're down to 75. But what he did with those receptions is what I like. Yeah. So he turned that into 300 more yards, two more touchdowns, doubled his yards per reception. Yeah. So I think that if Tyreek Hill shows signs of slowing down this year or there's any kind of injury, then... sure. Jalen Waddle is going to lead the Dolphins in receiving this year.
0: I mean, I I think it's totally possible. I think it's interesting you bring up those stats because with Waddle, his rookie season compared to that sophomore year, completely different roles in the offense. And, of course, Mike McDaniel came over in year two. But Waddle was strictly rolling out of the slot as like a floor PPR guy that just had speed. And you'd feed him and you'd try to get the yards after the catch. In year two, and people... Don't always realize this with Tyreek Hill and the team, but he worked pretty strictly as the wide receiver, the X receiver on the offense. Um, so he showed big improvement against zone and he posted an 81.8% success rate, which is 78 percentile, which is very good. And he, he's still a good enough separator against man. I think what makes him um, even more dangerous is just how much opposing defenses have to hone in on Hill. You know, you can't double both of those guys. And it's exactly. also very difficult to consistently run man against a receiving group that's that fast because once they create separation, it just causes so many problems. You know what I mean? So he's one of the best vertical threats in the league. And the, the irony is they didn't use him that way at all, hardly at all in his first season. So we, we really got to see the full scope of his skill set. And he's also very good at work in the middle of the field, which is perfect for that after the catch ability that he has. So he's just, he is, he is the X in Miami. Mm-hmm. And in uh, Mike McDaniel, I think we all trust at this point. That nerdy son of a gun, he's smart. <laughs> he is he's smart he he's he, a, he comes yeah. from that kind of sean mcveigh shanahan kind of like school of thought obviously directly comes from shanahan's yep. staff but um he really knows how to scheme these guys up and create m- mismatches and as far as the matchups go and really the only concern i have with either of those guys is just the two uh tagavailoa health uh, issue uh the concussions yep. what that looks like that is a concern but for fuller you know, context to that, they have Mike White now as a backup who has shown he can sling it around a little bit in a, in short spans of games. Uh, he did it in my or uh, in New York a little bit. I like that more than Teddy Bridgewater struggling to throw it more than thirty yards and whoever that you know that rookie they had that last season. It wasn't great. Uh, so <laughs> if Tua does go down, I feel like Mike White can still facilitate pretty good output for those guys still. So I feel a little bit better maybe than last year. Comparatively to what what backups they had behind Tua last season, if that right. makes sense.
1: No, that, that makes perfect sense.
0: Moving on from seven,
1: we are moving up to six, where I have AJ Brown, <laughs> and you have Devontae Adams. Two guys we kind of dove into already a little bit there. Yeah. At number five, we both have Stephon Diggs.
0: Yes, Steph Diggs. I think he might be the best route runner in the NFL. <laughs> I, I think just, he is the best route runner, and he's NFL. another. It's another situation where. He plays everywhere. He's not the true X. He plays slot. He plays flanker. They move him around based on the defense they're playing on any given week. Yeah, he's he's 87.8% success rate versus, bone, uh, excuse me, versus zone coverage. Yep. Uh, a 72.2% contested catch rate. When Josh Allen's forcing it into a window, that, that's his safety valve. It's going to Steph Diggs. Um, Gabe Davis didn't do anything last season to really, you know, solidify his role as the wide receiver too or garner extra attention or volume in that passing game um i think he's actually a a good like late round value now because i think the market readjusted you know compared to what happened last season when people were drafting gabe davis but the bottom line is steph diggs is the king of that castle he's the alpha i mentioned earlier in the show but you know when he was a viking it was you know it was a little bit different he he was more of a vertical chunk play threat, but ever since he went to Buffalo, he's just displayed the right. full scope. Well, you also had Adam Thielen there when be. Adam
1: Thielen was still, when he was still a viable receiver. Right. right.
0: And he was and Thielen was considered the alpha. Yep. Um but ever since Diggs went to Buffalo, I mean he's just been outstanding. His entire route tree, by the way, and this is per um, Matt Harmon's reception perception, but his entire route tree is green. Which for those of you not familiar, that is extremely elite that basically means you're well above the bar at every route <laughs> at every core route that you can run on the football field yeah whether now, that be short intermediate deep balls nine routes corn you know the whole thing he's just he's really good at everything so um he's about as trusty as it gets um in that offense
1: yeah now he is entering his age 29 season however just like Devonte adams we spoke about earlier he's not really showing signs of slowing down yeah so last year ranked Fourth in red zone targets, mm-hmm. and that's where that two years in a row of double digit touchdowns comes. Yeah.
0: In. Oh, absolutely. No, he. I mean, don't ever overthink a Stephon Diggs pick at the end of the first no, round. No, don't ever overthink not, it. No. Um, you, you could probably put him in the Jefferson Chase conversation with Hill and cup as well. I mean, it is a clear tier break after Steph Steph Diggs. It's a five man tier, and after Steph Diggs, for me, you can argue Devonte Adams, but. The concern would be the quarterback there, so that's why it, for me it's a clear tear break. But Steph Diggs is just an elite superstar, so don't overthink it. Yeah. Now for our top four, we
1: and I think it's almost consensus around the league. We have the same four players. So let's yeah. Four we have Tyreek Hill. Three we have Cooper Cup. Two Jamar Chase and one Justin Jefferson. Yeah. So we just spent some time talking about Jalen Waddle. So let's talk about what we like about Tyreek Hill. Sure obviously his speed his separation his production in the past well i guess most of his career really outside yeah. of his rookie season he's he's been one of the top receivers
0: in the league last year he clipped 1700 yards unbelievable yeah um and that was again with Tua missing time right that was games with Teddy Bridgewater. That was games with again the guy whose name I'm forgetting, but the third the uh, the rookie they the, the late round rookie they had last Thompson. year. Skyler Thompson, that's the name. Um and it wasn't pretty with that guy under center, trust me. Tyreek's a beast. I mean, the reality is Mike McDaniel just I think accelerated him in the way they utilized him and created those mismatch like mismatch um, situations for defenses, kinda like what I talked about with Waddle. I alluded to it, but 82.8 percent success uh, success rate versus press in his first year with the team. That was the second best mark of his career. And again, teams don't really press him that much because of his speed. But yeah. when they no do, he, keep up with he Yeah, they right. create separation. He's an elite zone beater, always has been. Elite speed, total mismatch. He's in the conversation for wide receiver one overall. At the yeah. end of the day, I mean,
1: last year was wide receiver two, right? So exactly. Right. He's exactly. He's, I mean, right he's,
0: there. he's right there. And it had Tua knock on down, he may. Who knows what would have happened in in those, some of those games? So. Right. He was on the line of scrimmage for just fifty three point six percent of his snaps, compared to seventy seven point nine percent for Waddle. Again, that alludes to the point I made earlier. Waddle is the X on that team, and they like to use a lot of pre snap motion and use utilize Hill out of the slot or as a flanker. So um, that that cre- again just creates those mismatches with opposing teams' corners, and just makes it that much harder um, to really handle what it is that he's bringing to the table. He's just he's a stud. He's unbelievable. Again only thing that I fade beyond a couple of these other guys, it's just the fact that it's the quarterback situation that probably is the most volatile in terms of injury and so on. Because, like, I, I don't know about you, the Tua thing freaks me out. I, I mean, oh, well, no, definitely. He's just it's, one it's, hit it's away. It's a major concern. Yeah. He's, he, just like you just said, he is one hit away from literally career being over. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, you know, and, and it's serious stuff. I mean, it goes beyond football. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you... you it's,
1: it's honestly life-threatening stuff
0: at this yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, you, you gotta really... Really, be careful with him. And um, clearly, they're bringing him back. You have to trust the team and the doctors and everybody. They're bringing him back as they think they can. But that's just the one thing for me that fades Hill a little tiny bit. And again, you're splitting hairs. You can't go wrong with any of this top five or six, right? Right. Like it's they're all awesome players. We're just trying to find talking points. I mean, at the end of the day, you know. But that that's kind of my take on Hill right now.
1: Okay, moving up to three. We both have Cooper Cup. Yeah. Now Cooper Cup coming off a season. Where he was on pace to once again
0: be in the
1: conversation B1. for wide receiver. Oh, one. he was—he
0: was on pace, baby. <laughs> he was on pace for about 150 catches if yeah, you extrapolate the data. Yeah. So he was doing crazy he was seeing things.
1: Double-digit targets, close to—I mean, some games almost 20
0: targets a game. Yeah, <laughs> like he is the offense in LA. Yeah, not a lot of competition at that receiver position for the Rams. Um, no, I mean. I, I am expecting more out of Van Jefferson this season.
1: However, not enough to cut into Cooper Cup's.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's you have uh, Puka Nakua as well, the rookie. Um, Tyler Higbee will catch a couple three-yard passes around the line of scrimmage. Same old, same old. But at the end of the day, if Matt Stafford's healthy, and of course, Cup did have the hamstring pull yeah. uh, at the beginning of camp. Um, and that's, the one, that's one thing that does concern me a little bit. Hamstring injuries can linger. Now, luckily, um, unlike another player that we're going to You know, we just talked about the previous episode, Jerry Judy going through the situation he's going on, you know, with, with the hamstring, it really, it faded him outside of my top 24 altogether. The fact that it happened earlier for cup and he has a, he's had a couple additional weeks to kind of heal and prepare and get ready for week one. It makes me feel a lot better, but the, the, the reality still stands that hamstring injuries in general have the potential for lingering oh, and, even, and even when you come back and, and for a game or two you might still not be at 100 percent, even if you don't reaggravate it so that is a concern for me but he's just so good that it's i'll read a couple things here for you that i had written down so a good man beater i wouldn't maybe say elite um but unbelievable mm-hmm. in zone and finding yeah. the soft spots in zone he was the second best zone beater behind steph diggs who i already you know said I think he's probably the best route runner in the league right now but he the thing about Cooper Cup is the way he is such an integral part of that offense almost second to none no other situation in the league reminds me of the Cooper Cup situation and what I mean by that is he's truly everything that they do they scheme around him is moving him around the line of scrimmage he's all over the field pre-snap motion sometimes he lines up as a halfback sometimes he, he chips blocks and then and then leaks out to the flat sometimes it's over the cross, you know, the, across the middle of the field, it, it's so many different things, and that's what creates just that uber uber safe floor that literally no other receiver can can compare to. Right. That's including a Jefferson. That's including a Chase, uh, Jamar Chase, or a Tyree Kill. He has zero games under eleven points per game, or under eleven total PPR and PPR formats in the last two years. Not a single game has he gone below eleven points. Right. Um, Jefferson had four single digit. Games just last season
1: mm-hmm.
0: compared, you know, so it just gives you, you know, a little bit of context. But he gives you that unbelievable floor while still maintaining that elite ceiling where he can just give you 12 for 140 and two touchdowns. I mean, he, you know, so he really gives you the best of both worlds. I have him faded behind Jefferson and Chase, but it's really, it just comes down to that hamstring for me.
1: It's the hamstring, it's last year's injury, and it's honestly health concerns with Matthew Stafford and whether and he starts sure something, you know,
0: as yeah. well. Yeah. I guess we don't fully know if he'll ever be Matt Stafford again. Right, exactly. So, you know, I mean, it's it's all valid. Again, we're splitting hairs, but Cooper Cup's in the best wide receiver situation you can find yourself in, in terms exactly. of just volume and the way he is just revolved around everything in that offense. Yep.
1: All right, so we're moving on to number two. We have Jabbar Chase. Last year, could have been in the conversation for wide receiver one if it wasn't for injury. He ended up as a wide receiver 12. Still scored nine touchdowns in only 13 games played. Uh, He did see a little bit of drop in those touchdowns from year one to year two. They went from 13 to nine. Also had a drop in yardage there with an increase in receptions and an increase in targets. So is that a product of just the injury there or is that maybe Higgins taking some things away from him there?
0: Yeah, I think. You know, it's kind of a theme now, but you kind of have the three big wide receiver twos in the league right now. And for me, that's you have Devonte Smith, who we uh, talked about in last episode, but Jalen Waddle, of course, we already covered today. T Higgins as well from la but that that's kind of the relationship for Jamar Chase is that T Higgins situation where they can kind of alternate. They don't. They, they, it's similar. It's a kind of similar tactic being used by the more advanced offenses in the league is when you have an embarrassment of talent at the wide receiver position, you move these guys around and you create mismatches. Mm -hmm. So neither guy is inherently always the X, whether that be Jamar Chase or T Higgins, either guy can kind of slot into that role. Chase did line up outside on 77.6% of his uh, snaps last season, but he was only on the line for 66% of them. He was even in the backfield. Sometimes a lot of pre-snap motion, you know, similar stuff to like kind of what we talked about with cup and Hill you know sometimes he's a flanker they they just they move him around so he he has a huge advantage for that reason um he's a great router route runner he was 81st percentile against man 91st against press um which i think is really telling so um, elite route runner great athlete um, really good at the point of con- or uh, excuse me uh, like a contested catch weapon as well for that team um there's really nothing not to like i mean you got joe burrow attached to you so <laughs> it, it doesn't right. get much better than that
1: And we move on to number one, the obvious consensus pick for number one receiver. He was the number one last year overall, and that is Justin Jefferson. We have triple-digit receptions for the second year in a row. 1,800-plus yards and eight touchdowns. We go into a new kind of look here for the Minnesota Vikings. Adam Thielen is now gone. He joins the Carolina Panthers. Mm -hmm. And your number two receiver is now Jordan Addison, a rookie. Still have K.J. Osborne. T.J. Hawkinson, however, does this just amp up just Jefferson's usage in that offense?
0: Um, I think you have the vacated target. People don't realize how often Thielen was still uh, participating in routes for that right. offense. I believe it was top-five route participation in the NFL, um, and Jefferson and Thielen were both in the top five. Um, they ran a ton of Thielen out there. Old man Thielen limping around, injured, fighting injuries, <laughs> about as inefficient you know i mean certainly a shell of his older self but um jordan addison's a great route runner um i do think he's stepping right into a role to where he's probably being looked at as the rookie with the best chance of first year production great player um but as far as i mean there's not a lot to say about jefferson that people don't already know it's just elite everything route running savant i mean he's just he didn't test as like this uber-elite athlete in the combine, but that stuff just doesn't always matter. It, it really doesn't. Um, he's yeah. he's still a big, long wide receiver with good athleticism. Him and Steph Diggs were pretty much the only guys with fully green route trees mm-hmm. uh, from this past season. He's just great at everything. Kirk Cousins is going to hyper-target him. <laughs> His, I'll read. <laughs> he was 96th percentile in man, 92nd in zone, and 98th in press.
1: Justin Jefferson is always
0: open. He's pretty good. So, I mean, there's not much else to say. Don't overthink it. He is the wide receiver one. He's super young. I mean, there's just nothing not to like there. Um, Right. I mean, we're going into his fourth season here. He's only 24
1: years old. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is our list for our top 24 wide receiver rankings. We just covered 12 to 1 here in this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you learned something here. Good luck in your drafts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FF Blackboard for more tips, up-to-date news to help you win your leagues, crush your drafts, and basically just embarrass your friends for the rest of the NFL season. And
0: never let them live it down. Exactly. And take that all their is, money. That is key. And embarrass them. Hey, That's it. That's what it's all about. Just pound them into the ground. That's why we're here. Just pound them, into the, just pound them into the ground. Yes. <laughs>
1: all right, guys. This has been the Fantasy Football Blackboard. Thank you for listening we'll see you.